Now Lonnie Finley's his name. Vince Eustace is his. This is hip hop. And movie news. And, and that's, that's the way it is. Hey, hey, hey. This is episode number nine. What you want, nine? And he'll bossy in my name up in lights and I and E. Yes, this is the podcast bringing you everything from Tinseltown to the Boogie Down, the home of the real hip hop spelled R E E L with two E's as a tribute to Double E, Eric Sermon, a personal favorite. And he had a new album out recently I wanted to talk about. We didn't get a chance to. Check out Vernia. Uh, this is Hip Hop Movie News, the podcast. I'm Vince Eustace. I'm Lonnie Finley. I had a thought, because when you were saying real, it kept occurring to me that there's other sorts of things as well. I'm like, what if we try to incorporate a fishing reel as well? As in, we're reeling in the fans. I was definitely thinking that. What? Yes, like, exactly. I don't even know. Like, that's a whole new, that's a third dimension of where we can go. Haven't gone there yet. Do you ever sit back and think about just, God, we are so smart. Well, like, we're probably the smartest people we know. I've often thought about this, and the problem with that is that... It's not he, true. People get people they get all like like oh man you got a big ego. I'm like because I'm the smartest person in the world. Yeah, you got a big ego. You understand? You got a big ego. Uh, yeah, we are without producer extraordinaire Patrick Pierre this week. I think he is ducking us, and I will get to that in our next story, which is starting right now. Nice purple happily of you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Avengers Endgame is just absolutely killing it at the box office. That's an understatement. It's not just killing it. It's demolishing everything. It's setting new levels of what to expect at the theater, if I'm being honest. So, in terms of just financial gain... Yeah, we'll, just go, we'll go with the numbers. Based on that, it is gross worldwide over $2 billion in its first two weekends. It is the fastest movie in history to reach $2 billion. Crazy. And the reason why I think Patrick Pierre, producer extraordinaire, is ducking us is because we made a bet with him. What, two episodes ago somewhere? I think it was the last one. Last one? Because that's when Avengers came out, right? Maybe it was last one. I think it was the last okay, one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he's rooting for Avengers Endgame to be the biggest movie of all time. But he does not think that it's going to overtake the current number one champ, which is Avatar, James Cameron's 3D film. And that is proven to be kind of a ridiculous statement to have made. A ridiculous bet to have made. It, it, I think so as well. Because you and I both took Avengers Endgame. He took Avatar, although he prefers... I, I, I don't think he enjoyed Endgame as much as we did, but I think he prefers Endgame to Avatar. Uh, but he, he said he wanted Endgame to beat Avatar... Uh, so, in terms of the numbers, Avatar is sitting pretty at $2.788 billion. Avengers that's Endgame. Like, that's nothing. No. I mean, compared to Avengers, which you're, I mean, you're going to say right now, sorry, I'm cutting you it's off. All right. but. So, Avengers Endgame already has locked itself in at number two. It surpassed Infinity War, Star Wars Force Awakens, and Titanic at number two. $2.188 billion in two weeks. It's clearly in going to be Avatar. People aren't going to stop watching this. And this points out one of the main factors that I talked to Patrick about and that I mentioned during the bet was that, and I've seen, I've, I've looked at people on the Twitter machine and they've said that like they, it's like one, one girl, she was like, hey, do I have to watch Infinity War to understand any game? Which indicates to me, I've heard this through other people, people are watching through some of these Marvel movies, which is great for Marvel, and Disney, they've wa they're watching through some of these movies to catch up to Endgame because they're like they understand that this is a thing you have to go and see. Also, it's one of those things that there's stuff coming out later on that like you really got to see this movie in order to see some of the stuff that comes on later on. Now again, yeah. I don't want to like we should probably reference. I'm not going to spoil anything with Endgame because we uh, we, we already did that, we're but we did at the end of the episode. right. But we're not going to yeah, do yeah. that now because maybe new people this week haven't you know listened or whatever. So we're not although spoiling. the Russos have said. The two-week ban is done. Like, we can't spoil it if we want. But we're not going to. But we're not, we're not going to. This is not about spoiling. This is merely to say that people are going out in droves, seeing this movie. People who normally would not go to see a Marvel movie. Maybe you're coming out to see this movie. And so maybe that 2.1888 whatever billion is creeping up very closely. Like, it could break it this weekend. 
I'm, I'm, I've already seen it twice. I'm going to see it a third time. I want to see it a third time. I'm gonna, see, I've seen it. I've seen it one time. I want to see it one more time and then say I see it a third time. Marissa and I want to take her father out to see it. Yes. Uh, I don't mind maybe getting like the most expensive IMAX 3D. That's how version, I started. Just to like up the ante a bit in terms of. Like, I started that way. A little bit counts. I started with like. I didn't know we were going to see that. It is amazing in IMAX. It's not necessarily that you have to see it in 3D. But you have know. you seen Twitter? Like Twitter has been very. They've been roasting James Cameron about this because he a year ago was interviewed, kind of downplaying superhero movies and being like, "Oh, there's more stories to be told." He was like, "It it could have been taken out of context, but it came across as if he was kind of saying that like, oh, and not to take." Anything away from him, he had Titanic was the number one movie of all time, and Avatar was the number one movie of all time. He had two of the number one movies of all times, just him, original ideas. So he, was say, so he was saying like, oh, there's more stories to be told, and now all the superhero fans are coming out and saying like, ha ha, Avengers are coming for you. Well, like, down. James Cameron is in one of those Thug Life uh, memes, where he just basically sent me in like... Someone's interviewing him. He's like, "Have you seen my work? Like, like what? Are you, what are you at? Like, who are you talking to right now?" I'm James Cameron. So, James Cameron cockiness is everywhere it should be. Um, if you've uh, seen Future Man um, on Hulu, uh, James Cameron has a prominent uh, role in there as like a uh, essentially just like an Uber being. Like, really? I mean, he, he, James, James Cameron is what James Cameron is, and so his is cockiness is exactly where it should be. Is it better than his Entourage cameo? I don't want you to. I don't want to use cameo in the words that make you think that it's actually James Cameron. So oh, okay. It's just it is the idea of James Cameron. Let's gotcha. See. What okay. I'm saying is James Cameron saying what he said is absolutely right for a person who has two movies in the top ten movies and has made countless other movies that have probably been there or in the top ten or top twenty of all time. So he should say this. He him underplaying it is because you know James Cameron has yet to make one. If James Cameron made a made a an epic superhero movie like I don't even know what that would look like but he kind of did that with Avatar anyway well he was originally penciled in to do Spider-Man before Sam Raimi in fact no you mean the original oh the original like yeah but he was like the the idea in the original Spider-Man movies that Spider-Man's webbing is part of his superpower and not something that he came up with himself that was a James Cameron original idea Mm. which I like like, as a a movie sort of idea I think that's a good idea Uh, I, I like the idea that's Spider-Man smart enough, Peter Parker smart enough that he can like come up with that on his own. But I didn't hate that idea. I, 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 oh, yeah. I, I wanted to come out of a weird vein in his wrist that yeah. like shoots out web. Especially in the second movie when he was having sort of the metaphor to sexual inadequacy where he couldn't like perform anymore. Yeah, and that just was just too weird for me. And also like maybe you run out of stuff and this just this stuff. Also, a spider bites you. You have superpowers, but you don't have that one. And basically, you're just crawling around all the time. Yeah. It just seems very ineffective. I mean, you're strong, but you're crawling from everywhere. You can't get anywhere fast. You have the same trouble we do getting through New York City. How is this helpful? Yeah, I guess it's, it's not helpful for anything. It takes the L train, I guess. Uh, yeah. But I want to want a couple say, say a couple things. James Cameron is probably going to try and punch back really hard. He's got Avatar sequels. In the making. In the made. I believe they're already made. They made what, two and three back to back. Is Zoe Saldana in them? Why would you know that? She's making so much money. Why would she She's making them? so much money between Star Trek. Why would Zoe Saldana stop Avengers, Guardians, and, and Avatar. Like, she's like, oh, all you nerds on the internet can keep like, What was that one role she was going to play want. but she didn't end up playing? Or, we, or she did play she it? She's going to Nina Simone, where she was. Oh, she did play Nina Simone. She did play Nina Simone. I forgot. She did play that. That's right. She could. Like, she was like, oh, this is my passion project. People weren't I'm making so much money on these other movies. People were mad about that because of the nose thing and the not black enough. Exactly. We talked about this earlier in previous shows with Will Smith. I don't know. Uh, But the other thing I wanted to bring up was, so we've already established that uh, we have decided Avengers is going to win. Yeah. Patrick hasn't. I, I want to at least sort of give... Patrick of Fighting Chance. He'll, he can speak for his, himself in the future, but I, I did look up some things that kind of give Avatar an edge. Uh, it was like the first big 3D movie to come out during the 3D boom. It was it opened during like the holiday season, so that kind of gave it an edge as well. I also 
me personally, I can't even fathom what a billion dollars or a billion anything is. So even though the the, the numbers are Avengers just cracked two billion and Avatar's on the verge of three billion, it seems like they're close and they are. But the difference between two billion and three billion is still a billion. Right, but even to pull your point to actually take some credit away from Patrick, <laughs> which we love doing, is you just said. You even, like, you say the answer in the things you just said. Avatar was one of the first 3D movies who don't, don't, don't. It was, uh, you know, came out doing a movie like the 3D was perfect for. Avatar also came out during the holiday season. So it made that money during a time when it was, like, had the best things going for it. Endgame came out, like, in a... It, this isn't... I mean, I know someone's not technically here. Yeah. It came out in April. Yeah. Like we like here, April happened. April showers. Here's the end game. Like spring break. Woo! Go see right, you know what I'm saying? They they basically were like, we 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 can drop in game anytime we want to, and it's going to break a billion dollars. We guarantee it, at least a billion, if not more. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying? They're they're getting this numbers on an off season for them. That's not even summer movies yet. Yeah. And they're getting this money. They got the early kick on all that stuff. They put out Captain Marvel, and they're like, was it February? April. We don't even care. It doesn't matter for us. So I'm saying that, like, Avatar needed all that that holiday hype and everything. Yeah. And a re-release. And a re-release. And a, and a re-release. Yes. Which may give it the edge. But we'll see. I'm confident in Endgame. I know you are. I know Patrick is confident in Avatar, even though his heart's not in it. We should have put money on this. We should have. Um, I know if we did, we would lose. That's just how I... No. That's how my bets go. But I'm betting with you. And so you think it would counteract it? I think it would counteract okay. it. I think we would take this home, and then I would get all of your money. Let's see if we can get Patrick to retroactively take a money bet. We, hey, you know what? Or, <laughs> or, or maybe, we do, maybe we do another bet. We, we, we can figure out an ordinary bet or you know some other thing. Some other slightly embarrassing thing that radio people can hear and not see. Yeah. Because that's because we're talking to people. Well, that's very... You can't see us. I'm not sure I'm not... I, I'll have you sound like a girl for the whole episode. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say that because we're the same side, so this would work. Yeah, that could work. Um, but really, the whole winner in this is Disney because <laughs> Disney, as you said, is, is very scary. But now, since they did a deal with Fox, they technically own Avatar, the Avengers, Star Wars. So they have like four of the five top five movies of all time. They're just killing it, going nuts. I think they also own um, Detroit. I think they bought Detroit. God, they can do a better job with Detroit. No, nah, just not. They just like did it, just to basically be like, we own this now. So let's get them some water for God's sake. No, well, that's not happening. But in terms of Disney taking over everything, we talked about Disney Plus coming out in the fall, and a bunch of new TV series and movies will be coming out with that platform. And this week it came out that Ron Howard, our close personal friend, Ron Howard. I was talking about Ron the other day because I was talking about. Um, uh, Blake, Page, not Page. 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 Why did I say Blake? Who am I thinking of? I don't know. Anyway, Blake, Page, <laughs> Page, Page Sorry. Howard. I was talking about Page. Daughter. Page, who we are, uh, we're acquaintances with. I was looking up start summer career, wondering if, like, hey, you know, rekindled some friendship and see what's going on. I don't know. So yeah, we met Ron Howard a long time ago. He clearly loved us. This is after he had just won his Oscar. Yes, he he wants to work with us in some capacity at some point. He said this. We're busy. He's busy. We'll figure it out. But he's busy with talks of a new Willow sequel series at Disney+. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Willow, get familiar. It is a underrated. 1980s movie. It is underrated. It's weird because I thought it wasn't underrated, but I was a child and I enjoyed it and I realized that might have just been in my head. I feel it's aged better, or at least our nostalgia has aged it better. George Lucas and Ron Howard put this together. It's about this young dwarf who has to save a young baby. I feel like there's some biblical sort of overtones in terms of Moses and in terms of trying to kill a baby, but then also... The baby is destined to be greater. Yeah. Val Kilmer's in it as Mad Mardigan. Kevin Pollock. Kevin Pollock. Uh, Joanne Whaley Kilmer, who met Val Kilmer during that movie. They're not together anymore, but they met and got married. It's, it's, a, it's a very fun movie. It's great. It's epic. And I feel like 
only a couple of us really, really love, love, love that movie. Like, it's a cult favorite. But Ron Howard is saving the day and saying that they are talking about bringing it back as a TV series on Disney Plus with Warwick Davis as Willow. I this is I, I didn't want to cut you off. I wanted you to finish. And so this is... I'm just going to tell you, this is completely unrelated to everything you just said. <laughs> Got to but uh, when you said it, it made me think, uh, new hip-hop name, Young Dwarf. Young Dwarf. Young Dwarf's a great Ooh. one. Yo, this is, this is Young Dwarf. Yo, yo, follow that road, man. Follow that brick road down there. <laughs> now, would it be an old, tall person? Kind of like a oxymoron? Uh, I like it being like a leprechaun type of small character. Okay. Uh, offensive in every way. Yes. Um, so Takashi. Basically. But like, yeah, like basically. Like Lil Pump, but like Lil Pump dressed as like a leprechaun. I can see that also being a Pete Davidson character. Young Dwarf does. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that's awesome that they're bringing the show back. Um, I'm I'm excited about these nostalgic shows. It's This is not the only entity that's doing this because... Um, Swamp Thing's coming on. I heard about that. I was a, a fan of the Swamp Thing movies. Uh, I don't know if you saw Swamp Thing. It started Heather Locklear. Gorgeous Heather Locklear. Love, that's the second one. I love yeah, that second movie. One, two, Apparently everyone two. everyone hates that movie. But I saw I it when I was a kid and I loved remember the, it. Remember the, who, was the one, who was the one gay French doctor who was the gay French doctor and everything? That guy who was like, he was the the the, the this is a character in that movie. Do you remember him at all? Not barely. You look this guy up. He played this character in other things. He was like, Everything he did was like, it was like before the time when you would say that someone was gay, and you're like, that guy is a gay character. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so these these these, these movies are, that I loved as a child coming back in a, in a TV series or miniseries form, I love it. And the reasoning is, is think about this, the age we're at, we're, we're the people who are creating the movies that we want to see and the TV shows that we want to see because that's our age range when we were kids. Not us personally, because you and I have horrible jobs. But <laughs> those people have great jobs, and they're creating the content we want to see. If they said, to, if someone said, Lonnie, Vince, here's you know twenty million dollars, come up with some movies that you want to make based upon stuff you saw as, as kids, we would have endless stuff. We talked about one just now. I don't want to say it because I don't want to steal it. But I feel like Disney's already on it. I don't want. But we don't have that shit. But anyway, we talk, talk, talk about BM. No, no, the other one. Okay, the one with the, the you know the they were in a stone and they turned in the. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I said too much. Put it I said too much. Because Gar- uh, we're not going to do it. Gargoyle. We're talking about gargoyles. Talk about gargoyles. Live action. Live action. Because uh, I know I- I'd rather someone. Else, I'd rather just be made. Like I want to see Darkwing Duck again. Oh, that'd be. Great. I would love to see Darkwing Duck. Maybe not live action because I feel like I feel like making ducks live action is always weird. You're talking Even, about Howard the Duck, and I'm talking about the when they put the little Easter egg of Howard the Duck in the Avengers yeah. movies. And I was like, wait, he still looks weird. Although Marvel could make it work. Marvel could make it work. And Marvel's Disney. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, that could totally work. Now, work. now I want to see a see live action. See how it Now I can see Imagine, imagine seeing a live-ass Launchpad McQuack. Yes. Who Who also, there's a multiverse there, because he was in a bunch of different Oh, yeah, Launchpad, Launchpad is the through line through a lot of these things. Why don't want, like, even in a cartoon, you know, make a live action, I get it. You can make it an animated series again. Make it a real animated series about a superhero duck. I don't know. I know we fanboyed off a little bit, but that's obviously what this Willow thing is about. It's, it's all about, about being fanboys and just wanting the stuff brought back. Yeah. And I mean, they're bringing back something that nostalgically, like Willow. Willow is not necessarily something that everyone has seen, as you were saying. It's underrated. So. I feel everyone our age has seen it. Right. But maybe a not. A whole new. Yeah. But what they've captured very well, while I think that this, the, the Willow can still hold up, even though I haven't seen it lately and I do want to watch it again. I think it can hold up because it fits into that fantasy genre. Now, maybe the CGI of mini Kevin Pollock won't look that good, whatever, kind of like very similar to like a, a labyrinth type of CGI where it's like placed over, it doesn't look that good. But it fits into the whole genre of people loving the Game of Thrones stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know Amazon was working on, Game of Thrones is ending. There needs to be a replacement show of some kind of fantasy, not Hobbit-like thing where it's similar to what people love and enjoy. And you can have dragons the, and characters. And you can have the Joss Whedon, Russo Brothers type of like wisecracking banter that yeah. was trademarked in like the Avengers. To, and like, also in Willow. Like, yeah. I mean, but, like those it, characters it was were hilarious. Yeah, they're, they're all funny. Like Matt Mardigan was hilarious. He was hilarious. But badass too. And so I think it's awesome to be able to bring these back. I think that that's what's happening with this. I'm excited to see this. Um, we were talking about it before. I'm happy that Warwick Davis is attached to it. I understand why Bill Kilmer might not be attached to it because 
He does not look good. But could he still act? Should he? I don't know. I haven't seen him lately. He did not look in great shape when I last saw him. But, you know, I don't want to spoil anything from movies that we've watched recently, but we have seen that some characters can be not in shape and they can play that as like sort of a part of their character arc. Okay. I always thought you were going with the, like the de-aging situation. Gotcha. Where they're de-aging, which, uh, can you de-fat someone? Uh, can you de-alcoholic nose? I feel that's also problematic too. Cause then you have a lot of people being like, your body shaming saying his body's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Val Kilmer. Hey, we'd love to have Val Kilmer on the show. Let's talk about this at some point in time. Uh, there are no hard feelings. And, um, you know, these are just opinions expressed by two people who uh, have no opinions. Yeah, and we enjoy Val Kilmer. Yeah. All right. So, moving on to the hip-hop portion. Salt and pepper's here, and they're in effect. But not all together? No. Salt and pepper's here. But Cinder- Spinderella. Salt pepper. No, but no, it's because we're like, we're salt pepper. We're salt and pepper. Yeah. Featured Spinderella, but I feel like now we're just like, it's just like, not fully. I don't, yes. you know. So, what we're getting at here is Spinderella, the longtime DJ for the hip hop group Salt and Pepper, was recently, by recently I mean January, fired from the group before they were going on their tour with New Kids on the Block. Spinderella just uh, addressed this recently on social media, said that she was fired via email in January, said that she was no longer a part of the group, would not be going on tour with them, and said that she expected the management, salt and pepper, everyone to sort of address it, be like, she's no longer with us, we're moving forward, whatever. But months had gone by, nothing was addressed, so she felt the need to be like, look, I know people go to these shows, expect to sort of see the whole experience. If they're expecting to see me there, I'm not going to be there and I'm going to let you know why. There hasn't been a lot of facts going on about this. We don't know why she was let go. Just that it seemed... We looked into it, I mean, briefly, but enough to where we looked into it to see, first of all, yes, there are three members of this group for people who are unaware because, you know, sometimes it's easy to get the love that DJs used to get. Mm -hmm. But uh, it doesn't... I don't know why this is happening, and we were speculating maybe it's money, maybe mm-hmm. it's something else involved with it. Um, it just seems a little bit odd to me, the firing of Spinderella and why it came about. And you know, I know you we were talking about you know there's a like being fired, and especially her like being fired through an email. Like it just seems. Yeah, it seems very impersonal. I, we, yeah, we don't. There, there could be some stuff coming out. The story's not done. Yeah, yet. there may be some stuff coming out. We don't want to speculate on what it is, but I love speculating on stuff like that. <laughs> I will speculate all day on what's going on here. I do think it's messed up because we, Salt and Pepper, like clearly they're the, the name acts, and Spinderella's the DJ. But rest in peace, J Master J. I can't see Run DMC ever doing something like this to him. Like, like the DJ, especially back in the day, was just as an important part of the group as the rappers. Right. So, and then in terms of like, I was looking this up recently. Have you ever heard of this young like girl rapper or not rapper DJ? Uh, she's like twelve years old. Her name's DJ Cool Flash. Uh, she was on like Good Morning America or I don't know live this with. Strahan and Sarah, and she's this great DJ. She's like this young girl, but one of her big inspirations is Spinderella. And Spinderella actually like FaceTime with her and has like met with her and sort of like mentored her a bit. So as much as like it seems like Salt and Pepper are the stars and Spinderella just sort of plays the background, there are people who are drawn to the DJ aspects. And even like young girls, not a, yeah, not yeah. a ton, but like there are people who are probably going to go there and be disappointed that Spinderella's not there. But, like, you also pointed out, too, when we were talking off air, that, like, there's this is a whole concert of people and different acts, and so they may also be able to get by with not having Spinderella there, as opposed to, let's say, for example, Pepper featuring Spinderella, or right. Salt featuring Spinderella. Exa- no, exactly. And I, I think maybe this was a shrewd move on Spinderella's part, because Salt and Pepper probably wanted to keep it quiet. And then when people showed up, Maybe didn't even notice. If they noticed, like, it wouldn't be like, it was like, oh, I don't think Spinderella was there. Maybe she's sick or something. 
But she brought it up. So now it's kind of causing, like, a stir. Like, people are talking about it, and maybe some of her fans will cause a ruckus about it. Maybe. There's there's a chance that, yeah, this could be that used for that effect. Um, I know you were saying this, this posed a question about, like, um, times when you were fired or, like, ceremoniously let go or something like this. Right. Was there ever a time where you were fired or let go from a job in a manner that was unprofessional? Well, two things. One, I was broken up with in an email before. Okay. Uh, which... Is like worse than an actual breakup because it's just like not calls, not texts, it's an email. So you have to like check it. I don't check my emails that often. I, so there's a good chance I would have gone like a couple months not knowing. What exactly. And, and all of a sudden, like, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're uh, you're proposing somebody, and then they're like, "What are you doing here?" I'm on a date. Yeah, with someone else. Clearly, this is over. Check your emails. Check your emails. Check your spam folder. Um, but you know, I, I did. I was fired. I was fired from a job where I was uh, a bartender manager. Uh, we worked together. I was fired by um, at the time. You know, I've gotten over a lot of stuff, and I like realized that like what life is worth as far as like you know holding grudges against people and how worth it is. So now the now me is like you know less upset with this person. The t- at the time, me would have called this person a scum of the earth, horrible person who has screwed over several people and probably will continue to screw over people. Maybe they changed, maybe they haven't. But um, I was fired after I got back from an audition that I went on for a very weird television show. In Atlanta. In Atlanta, which we'll talk about somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. But I'll tell right now. But anyway, um, I, was, I was auditioning for this um, show, and it, uh, I came back. I spent a good amount of money. I spent a good amount of money on, like, um, you know, getting out here for this. I came back to find that I, number one, my one of my really good friends at the time calls me up. And he's like, I got to tell you something. And, like, he drove to me to tell me I was fired because he was like, I didn't want you to come in at work and then see that you were fired because it would have been like, he's like, you deserve better than that. Plus, I feel like you might have immediately tried to kill the person who fired you. Yes. And I still wanted to kill the person who fired me. I didn't because ultimately I realized... I'm black and this person's white <laughs> and there's no way I would be forgiven for, I mean, you know what I mean? I, I, look, call it what it is. If I beat up a white dude, it's not going to go well for me in most cases. If a white dude would beat me up, maybe it doesn't go well for them. I don't know about that. I know what my perspective is. Yeah. And I know my perspective is this wouldn't go well and I probably would have hurt this person and then people would have been like, pick up someone or whatever, even though this person was tall. Uh, anyways, that's my story. Uh, it was horrible at the time. It, it led to a lot of things that happened. It screwed over a lot of stuff. Some good stuff, actually a lot of good stuff, came from that positioning that happening. So turn that full circle, Spinderella, I don't think this is the end of your career. Even though it does seem like this was already the end of your career and you were kind of having like a little reboot show. But I think this Spinderella is going to be fun. So... I've also had a weird firing story. I was cast in a pilot for a TV show, which I don't want to say anything bad about it, but something about it from the beginning just seemed, something seemed off. I'm not sure it was just that a lot of the cast were like, literally this was their first ever experience doing any acting. And Mm. like, I was the most experienced actor in the cast. Similar to my Atlanta thing. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, I don't feel like I should be the most experienced person here. Although I was If playing, I'm the best, how is this the best? So I was I was cast I also felt I was miscast um in, yeah. in, in the role. And we all got together, we all were hanging out. I had fun hanging out with everyone. We were posted like they posted the the show on IMDB. We were it was part of our like credits. All of a sudden, I started noticing people from the cast and the show started on following me on Instagram, and then I looked on IMDb, and all of a sudden, we were all replaced, and I I text messaged the, the writer, producer, creator, star of the show, and it's always hard to gauge text, you know, like, whether you're being aggressive or not. I was trying to be very civil. It may have come across as being aggressive, but I was like, hey, were you going to tell us that we got fired from the show because no one told we had to find out through social media and she got very defensive 
and was like, oh, so these other producers, you know, I don't appreciate you, you know, coming at me with this attitude. And I was like, oh, I'm just saying that, like, it's professional to let people know. She's like, I don't appreciate you calling me unprofessional. And I was thinking to myself, well, I didn't call you unprofessional. But then I thought, oh, I was insinuating it. And so I was like, yeah, you got me there. And, and I told her, I was like, look, I'm not even upset about this. Because I wasn't. It was like, I said, I felt I was not really right for the role. And something was kind of off about it to begin with. And I was like, ah, you know, best of luck. Hope it goes well. I'm not mad at you. Did you hope it went well? I don't want to say I don't want it to go well. I, I just, I'm skeptical about it going Has well. it gone well? Is it out? Is it a thing? No, it hasn't. Is it coming out or is it already out? Or is this the past thing? No. It was supposed to... So this was back in 2015. Okay, so this is not going to be a thing then. Just to make sure this is a failed product all the way around. You didn't get fired from a TV show that's now... Like, you weren't fired. You weren't Jon Snow. No. Okay. I wasn't Jon Snow. God, Marissa would love if I was, though. She would actually love you more if you were. Yes. Yeah. Most people would. Well, I think people could just afford to love me more. No one really loves me that much. Yeah. That Uh, Moving on to hip-hop and white person beef. Not really beef, though, but we have to to sort of, like, spice it up a bit because white people aren't very spicy. Uh, Justin Bieber, noted hip-hop aficionado. Yeah, he's done a lot of good stuff for black people. (laughs) Uh, Justin Bieber uh, made some news recently when he critiqued Eminem. He was listening to The Ringer off Eminem's last album, Kamikaze, and he wrote on Instagram, I just like M's flow, but don't like that he's dissing new rappers. I like the new generation of rap. He just doesn't understand it. And so this caused, because I'm sure you also know this, we don't have to tell you, that the fandom of Justin Bieber and the fandom of Eminem, they're, they're crazy people. Yeah. I mean, and I consider ourselves to be part of the Eminem fandom, but... Yeah, over the Bieber. Man. But man, the the fan the fans for both of these artists are just insane, and they take any slight to be an act of war. And so it blew up. Everyone was saying like, "How could you be speaking on Eminem on this way?" You know, and Justin Bieber's people are of course like trying to defend him. Bieber has actually even said he was kind of in a place of sadness recently after he made a weird Michael Jackson, Tupac, Chris Brown sort of comparison. He's been kind of weird on social media lately. But back to Eminem and Bieber. Apparently Eminem doesn't really think much of this. He's just kind of like, oh, whatever. I've dissed him before in the past. Probably diss him again in the future. But the reason why I bring it up as a story and I feel it's something that we should talk about is one of the themes on the show is talking about old school hip-hop versus new school hip-hop. And what kind of like older people think versus like what newer people are thinking. And even though Eminem is considered to be one of the all-time greats in hip-hop, and Justin Bieber is at best a guest. He's kind of just like sometimes around as a hook guy and kind of hangs out with people. He's at best a guest. He's at least slightly racist. Oh, yeah. So where I'm at with Bieber saying anything... Is uh, we don't really listen to you, Bieber, and I don't mean listen to you like musically. I mean like if you make music and you end up on a song where it's like you're the one, yeah, you're the one, yeah, sure, fine. It really doesn't matter that was your voice or who that was. I'm fine with it because sure, I'm listening to a song, whatever. I'm not gonna buy your stuff. You said you you said racist things that I hadn't heard before. Um, like I had never heard that chainsaw thing. He was yeah, that was uh, like that was a new one for me. That, I didn't know about that. Is that Canada racism? Maybe I don't know. But bottom line is, when, the reason why I bring that up is because I also I always want to bring up when people have said racist stuff in their past and they try to let it go. I always want to bring it up because I don't remember. I want to remember that this is what you did. The same way, and this is a completely unrelated reference. Uh, there was an NFL draft recently, and the uh, NFL ESPN they brought up that this dude had like beat up. Uh, some woman who was attacking his sister and his mother and punched her a couple times. They brought it up and they were like, and you know what? This is not our opinion. We just know that this information's out there. We want to bring it to you. So I just want to bring it to you that Justin Bieber has had some racist things in the past. It may not be the best source of any information on anything. And, and it turns out, apparently, he's also feeling sad because he said some other inappropriate things or whatever he may have said. 
I don't care about that. And it's almost like, like we talked about this off air. Eminem clearly doesn't care about this. This is really more to point out the fact that, like, the idea of, you know, someone who was old school versus someone who was new school, even though I think Justin's closer to that, like, mid-range and he is the younger crowd. But he's cool with, he's sticking he's cool. up for, like, the little Zans. And I get and... that he's sticking up with both of them, and that's great. Um, we, I think Eminem has the right to say what he wants to say. He's earned that to this point. He knows who he wants to work with. Um, and he knows who he's talking to. Like, he's like, this doesn't matter for him. And this is one of the situations where I'm like, yeah, come a little more than just, like, I don't think he understands it. It's because certain times, I'll, I'm not sure I understand it. Like, literally, I'm not sure I can actually hear it to understand it. But it also, I'm like, am I, what do you want me to understand about this? What the person's saying? What the beats are about? What they're talking about? And someone's like, oh, man, he's real. He's a real thug from the streets. Talking about, what is he still talking about? Like, I heard someone, I heard a 27 Savage song recently, and I was like, listen, and I'm like, yeah, his flow sounds, sure, I can listen to his flow. Right now, in this song, I can listen to his flow, but still, what is he saying? You know, what is this about? I, I don't know, man. I, <laughs> Do you think Justin has a point, though, just because when he says that Eminem doesn't understand, I mean, I don't understand this new generation of rap, and I know Eminem had, like, he respects lyricism above all else. Uh, that's how he was brought up. That's how he raps. And so when people aren't really putting in effort to like be wordsmiths, he's like, I, I really don't care about this at all. And so do you think like, do you think there is sort of like a generational divide? Um, there's a, there's a quote I want to pull out. I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it's a quote from, um, Homer um, Simpson, not the of course, not the not the uh, writer. Uh, Homer once said, and I believe it was, um, "Just because I don't understand doesn't mean I don't care." Mm-hmm. It's not Lisa. I don't say. I think it's, you know. He's like, "Just because I don't understand doesn't mean I don't care." Yeah, like I don't get it, you know. But I think in this way, it's that it's not that he doesn't understand; it's that he doesn't care. So I don't think Eminem is necessarily cares about this genre of music because, like, his hip-hop legacy is there. It will stay where it's at. And he, we've mentioned he does work with younger people, but he works with someone who fits the genre of where he wants to be. Eminem's not going to do a song with Twenty One Savage if it doesn't make sense for what he yeah. would do. It's not his style of music. He's not going to like, Drake will probably pop on anything because Drake's like, I'll be on anything because yeah. that's my style of what I want to do. I want to be on anything. Eminem's not that way, and he doesn't have to be. So, whether or not Justin has any shred of maybe being right, it ultimately doesn't really matter, because Eminem can do what he wants to do. So, if Eminem says, I'm this, I'm that, and whatever, and then, you know, so what if he disses a couple people here and there? That's what he does. That's what he does. That's all he's done. So, how do you define new generation? Because Eminem has worked with rappers who are currently relevant. Like, he's worked with Jordan Lucas... He's worked with Logic, we're going to get to in a little bit. Uh, he signed, like, West Side Gun and Conway. He's worked with Kendrick. He's worked with Drake. People who are still relevant now, but they right, are but of a certain Kendrick, age. Is Kendrick, is it an age thing or is it a style of music thing? Because Kendrick doesn't fit into... Kendrick is younger, but is Kendrick the style of music thing? I think it's both. I think I think Bieber's kind of standing up for, like, like the 20-year-old, like, rappers. And Eminem... Because they need people to stand up for them. They've worked for M- so long. Yeah, and Eminem is more leaning towards, because of his taste, is going for the guys who are like a little older because they kind of came up on the same music that he did. I mean, it's also, we live in the same style where this is the, the constant question where it's like, man, I'm gonna, I'm, I, let's set the mood for a moment here for everyone. I'm going to set the mood for everyone. I'm sitting right now on my porch. Uh, I have a lawn, uh, a rocking chair. I'm holding a... Uh, a little uh, shotgun, and my screen door has been messed with. I'm an old man, and I want to get this set for you, so you can understand when I say this. It's like, man, these millennials these days are always so deserving. They always want this given to them. They always want this and that. They don't have to work hard for anything. And then so Bieber's defending these 21-year-old rappers coming up. You know what Eminem went through coming up? You know what I mean? You know how like the stuff that he had to go with to be like a white rapper in this atmosphere? Mm-hmm. He's worked hard for where he's got. So he don't have to recognize anybody he doesn't want to recognize. Yeah. That's the same old curmudgeon way. It's like, look, y'all haven't earned anything yet. You ain't earned shit. And so you can try and be like, you deserve this and that. You don't deserve anything. 
you come out with like five albums, five studio albums that are always their, their top selling album. Yeah. And then say something. Say, I have to work with you because you've done this or that. And even some of those times when you, those albums sell, like, show me something legitimate. Show me songs of lasting power. Like, you know, be on, be on albums for movies. Like, uh, get songs that are nominated for stuff. Yeah. Like, you know I mean? Get to a level before you have any conversation. If not, he can diss whoever the hell he wants to diss. And even he diss those people too because... Right. Diss them back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that goes into our song of the week this week, which is actually Eminem. It's a Logic song featuring Eminem called Homicide. Like Jay-Z, jiggas up, you fuckers who didn't write anything are getting washed like bathing, young hova. I know hitters like Yankee. Logic is also, well, he's part white, right? Or is he full white? He's half white. Half white. So he's, him and him have that in common, which is great. Yes. So Logic is half white, half black. Uh, this song, I feel, is, I don't want to say a controversial, it's equally a safe pick for Song of the Week this week and also a controversial pick because it's the number one song on iTunes. It's like everyone, like everyone's talking about it on the internet. But there are a lot of people who are Logic and Eminem fans, like, this is the greatest song I've ever heard. And there's people who don't like Logic and or and or Eminem who are like, oh, this is just that fast, rapid rap type thing. They're just saying a bunch of words super fast. And you and I have talked about speed rapping and being like, a lot of speed rappers aren't really that good. They're just kind of just saying a lot of words at that once. Rhyme. And it's more of an acrobatic thing, like, ooh, that's so cool they're saying this, but they're not really saying anything of substance. But the reason why we went with this song is because... Logic and Eminem, more Eminem, but Logic did a good job too. Like they're the stuff they're saying is awesome. They're not just saying words. Like Eminem had some really good wordplay that just didn't just rhyme. It was. I remember some people were like trying to pick out like, oh, he said this line. And when you take it out of context, it seems like kind of a weak line, but it ties into like the bigger verse and everything that he kind of like tied into it was just really really good like he had a thing about like slumps over because he shot someone and they like slumped over like A-Rod but he just hit a home run so the slumps over and it's happened so quick that you have to like sort of go back and re-listen to it again and again to sort of pick up on this type of thing but I don't know if people want to go back and listen to things and pick up and stuff I feel like that's part I mean that's a little small tidbit of this argument discussion whatever it is old school versus new school is that sometimes I hear something like I don't think you, this is... I'm like, is this track supposed to be a re-listener? Or like a, hey, came on, the beat was hot, I enjoyed it, he had that one verse, it was sick. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like sometimes people are like, whoa, 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 too much happening in my brain, too much stimulation with all the stuff that Eminem's saying, and go back and listen to it again and see, like, what he's saying. But that's why I like the song, because I do like the beat, and I think the fact that they are rapping fast, like, in terms of, like, sort of the aesthetic is like, oh, this is cool, it sounds cool. And then if you were to go back and listen to it, you're like, oh, there's actually some cool stuff in there. As well, it's like the first three seasons of Arrested Development, where it's like, oh, this is fun, I laughed, but if you go back, you find new things as well. I'm saying, though, you, that, that interests you. I don't know if that, I would love to know if the younger generation is interested in going back and listening, is what I'm saying. Like, Maybe do they not. want to go back and hear, like, oh man, I was, oh, oh, slumped over, the slumps over. They're like, there, there are some kids like that. I see some, there are like, some. I, I see some YouTube channels. I saw oh, some. no, there's some in both categories. That's the thing. There's some in both categories. But overall, overall, is this like, is it hit the mainstream mark? These people who these haters are the people who don't like them. Is it because they're like, I don't care to listen to that style anymore. I don't want to care, but I don't want to go back and hear your words. I want to hear right away what it was. Or not hear you at all because you're just mumbling through this thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You're Sometimes probably, simplicity is yeah. much easier. Oh, exactly. Like, it's easier to Designer. Designer yeah. can come out and be like, bend, 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 bend. What you, I don't know, but it sounds fun, yeah. right? I'm not going through and being really listening and be like, what is he really saying? I will say that the introduction to Eminem in the middle of the song, where Logic is rapping the hook, and he's like, chicka, 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 Slim Shady, and then goes right into Eminem going, chicka, 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 like Jay-Z. Like, it was very smooth and fluid, and watching a lot of reaction videos off it, people reacted to this. I'm not sure if this is the right comparison but it was almost kind of like their reaction to it was like when Thor showed up in Wakanda in uh, Infinity War where it's just kind of like oh here it is like it, that was like Eminem's arrival kind of like where it's like you knew he was going to come in at some point and when he showed up it was like that's how you make an entrance onto a song yeah 
Man, all right. All right. All right. I mean, he sold me. I mean, yeah, he didn't sell me. I'm just saying yeah. that, like, I, you know, I'm on that side of, like, listening to it and enjoying it and being, like, like I, when I heard it, I was like, I have to go back and listen to this. I want to go back and listen yeah. to it. I enjoyed the first time. Let me go back and, get, and delve into it. That's where I'm at because I understand hip-hop came from a place of telling a story. What's the story? What are you telling me? What's going on here? So, Well, that does it for Song of the Week this week. Yep. Or does it? We have an extra bonus throwback Song of the Week in... Honor of this being episode nine of Hip Hop and Movie News, we have decided to share with you. We feel an underrated song from back in the day, 1994, a rapper named Nine, and we, Lonnie, actually rapped a little bit of this song earlier on in the show. You started, I finished it. It's called "What You Want." Fat beats for my rhymes, mad clicks for my nines. This, I feel, is one of the more underrated songs of the golden era hip-hop from the 90s. Uh, Nine was a rapper who had a bunch of different songs, but this was his biggest hit. And he did some acting back in the day. He was on New York Undercover, which was a great show. Great show. Uh, One day be another great show and a great movie. Uh, French Montana actually did a freestyle over this, like kind of as he was blowing up. It's which just, is interesting to use those two words together, French Montana and freestyle. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this is definitely a song that we feel, if you don't know, and I feel like a lot of people, if you're a hip-hop head, you kind of know it, but there's some people who are like on the verge of being hip-hop heads or knowing hip-hop and not knowing this song, and this is a song we definitely urge you to go back Yeah, it's just kind of cool. It's like, it's one of the things that maybe listen to this, and then because of this, you want to listen to some other stuff, this other genre of the time period. I think that's really, I think people are just like not doing enough research and listening and stuff, and like, you know, this is cool. I like the idea of playing something new and playing something old school to be able to like, this is where it's gone. This is where it's from. Like, listen to some other stuff. Listen to some new things. Open your mind. Broaden your horizons. Yeah, because there's more than just Wu-Tang and Biggie and Nas from the 90s. And the mainstream things of, like, I'm a hip-hop head because I know all the mainstream songs and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, there's so much other stuff. I myself like to listen to old stuff, but I need to do better at my, by that for myself because, you know what I mean? Like, part times it's like, I want to, yeah, I want to have a throwback. I want to have a classic day. And that's, yes. You know, so... Yes, exactly. So definitely check out both Homicide by Logic featuring Eminem. And we also suggest you check out What You Want by Nine. Yeah. So this brings us to the most classy part of the show this week in hip hop history. Covering the week from April 29th to May 5th, starting with May 1st, MTV Unplugged, which was a show on MTV at the time where a bunch of artists did stripped-down versions of their famous songs and albums, featured hip-hop acts for the very first time. Included on the show were A Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, MC Light, and LL Cool J, who was famous for doing I'm Gonna Knock You Out, shirtless with a lot of the deodorant cake under his armpits, but it doesn't matter because it was such a great performance that... Oh, so he's just like, hey man, I'm wearing deodorant, I don't know about this gel stuff you guys are talking about. It wasn't really a big deal at the time, it was, mm-hmm. it was 91. It happened in 1991. It would be another 10 years before another rap act would be on Unplugged. Shame! Which was Jay-Z, one of my favorite Unplugs. With Shame the on you guys. For having 10 years between hip-hop acts on a TV show about unplugged movie, music. Yeah. Shame, MTV. Sorry. But now I don't think it's a show anymore. Nah, because they didn't have no hip-hop on it. Exactly. Calling it like I said. So, moving on to May 2nd, Soldier Boy released his debut single, Crank That, Soldier Boy. Tell him. It topped the Billboard Top 100 for seven weeks. It was the first song to sell three million digital copies. The Wall Street Journal called the accompanying dance and instructional YouTube video the biggest dance fad since the Macarena. This was in 2007. I'm not a big Soldier Boy fan to begin with in terms of music or just... I don't hate him, I'm but... I'm a fan of his fight career. Okay. Uh, I... I think we both agree that Soldier Boy, and he's been saying this a lot lately, but he's kind of being true about it. He's one of the more influential rappers of the past, like, 10, 15 years, in terms of he, not so much how people are rapping, but how he took YouTube and social media 
and he wasn't being played on TV or like radio and decided to be on MySpace and be on YouTube and really yeah, he's the, the uh, he's the first viral star to like make his own money. He's the um, he's kind of the Miz slash um, uh, who am I thinking of? Long Island. Uh, oh, Zack Ryder. Yeah, Miz slash Zack Ryder of like this genre. I realize I made a reference for some of them. Like, well, who are you talking about? Like, sorry, uh, Miz Ryder. No, you, wrestling, it's a wrestling reference. Oh, I don't, you, no, no, you guys know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying for that reason. I'm saying basically to be like. He's that person who, like, they decided to involve social media in their careers to help give them a boost because they saw where it was going and took advantage of it. And the fact that Soldier Boy is even being talked about at this point in time, or he's going to have, it, it's, like, it's, he's in, like, I'm not saying it's Smithsonian, but, like, it's in those things where it's like, this is something that happened in hip-hop. And it's going to be, like, known and it's, and it's stained and <laughs> it can't go anywhere. Yeah. The, so yeah, he's right. The album and song weren't really critically acclaimed, but it was super popular, and it is a part of hip hop history. It came at the right time. He got the right connections, and it had a dance that people were doing it. Yeah, and people were doing it a lot. You and you know when you do, you know, you know when when white newscasters or politicians get their hands on a song, or like the billionaire owner of like say like a a horse. You know, does something on TV, or where like when you see like someone like Robert Kraft doing something. I'm not saying this happens, but when that when that level hits, it when on Good Morning America or Today or whatever, like Matt Lauer or Katie Couric is saying, getting jiggy with it, it's dead. Yeah, and Soldier Boy got murdered several times yeah. by a lot of people. You, I mean, we usually don't jump on it till like a couple years later, but when we do, you can just. Put a fork in it. You guys dabbed the hell out of it. <laughs> uh, May 4th in 1984. May the 4th be with you. One of my favorite movies, not Star Wars, Breaking, was released oh. in theaters. Uh, starring Lucinda Dickey, Shabadoo, and Boogaloo Shrimp. Shabadoo and Boogaloo Shrimp. Grossed close to $40 million and opened at number one at the box. $40 million? Office. We should have entered that into the contest. Actually, no, it made $40 million in one minute. Continue. <laughs> yeah. So this was. There are other breakdancing movies that came out this time, but this sort of helped bring hip hop and breakdancing to the mainstream. It wasn't a technically good movie. Uh, the acting was not very great. The dancing was incredible, mm. and but it just was popular enough that it kind of made hip hop and breakdancing more family friendly and socially acceptable. Sort of the. Um... Sort of the precursor to You Got Served for our generation. Exactly. Which I don't want anyone to correct me on. That's exactly how I see that. Why would they correct you? I don't know. They would be mistaken. Yeah. They would get served if they did. Ooh, I see what you did there. Yeah. In 2012, we mentioned this earlier. Uh, it was sort of leading up to this. Adam MCA uh, from Beastie Boys passed away due to cancer. He's only 47 years old. It was shortly after BC Boys were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He had been hospitalized that day when they were inducted, and then he, succ he succumbed. Fuck first. you, cancer! Yeah, so rest in peace, MCA. May 5th in 1979, Robert Ford wrote a Billboard article titled Jive Talking NY DJs Rapping Away in Black Discos bring this up because it was the first story appearing in a mainstream publication to discuss the growing phenomena of rapping. And as I figured and did not know or realize, not I said time because I wasn't live then, but uh, even till recently in some years uh, jive is an offensive term. Yes! And so uh, I'm offended by you, Rob Ford, and by your son, Tom Ford. I also think discos is now considered to be an offensive term. Uh, black discos. Oh, that's definitely. You put black in front of it. It's, yeah. It's, you ever been to those black discos? Best crack in Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's just a lot of connotations that the white... I don't even know if Robert Ford's white or not, but let's assume he is. <laughs> we are assuming he is. He could be just a black dude who's like, hey, we should bring this out here. Or he's an ally. You shut your mouth, Rob yeah. Ford. Yeah. You and Tommy Hilger go get your boat together. I tried to read the article. I couldn't find it online. I could see, like, links to it, but, like, they were, like, put down in 1979. Rob I, Ford. I wanted to read the article, uh, but... So we're going to speculate about your race. Be like, be careful about these black discos and the rapping. Yeah. And he's like, I'm black. I, yeah. I've been to those black discos. It's like, I really want this to have a platform. He didn't say, if he said African-American discos, I would definitely think he's white. 
Yeah, but this was also 79. Like, exactly, after America wasn't a term. No, it wasn't. It was at Negro discos. <laughs> yeah. But I feel Color like, discos. Oh, yeah. 79, I don't know. I don't know what was being said back then. I think it depends upon the location of where you were. Yes. Does New York City, yeah, it makes more sense. Uh, and then in 2014, uh, Solange Knowles uh, roughed up her brother-in-law, Jay-Z, in an elevator after the Met Gala while Beyonce watched. There was a lot of speculation about this. There was talk that Jay-Z was flirting with another woman. Was uh, this Ra- Becky? Rachel Roy. Oh. Who may be the Becky in question. I heard that the Becky was Gwyneth. Was it Gwyneth? Gwyneth Paltrow. That makes sense. But also, like, the story I heard was Rachel Roy uh, was flirting with Jay-Z in front of a bunch of different people. And then Beyonce and Solange called her out on it. Words were exchanged. Jay-Z didn't quite defend Beyonce. He kind of was like, you're acting out of pocket. And he wasn't defending his wife. And Solange took offense to that. We've all seen the video. They went into the elevator. I've seen the parodies of the video. And Solange just went nuts on Jay-Z. Beyonce just sat Beyonce was like, I've never seen someone... So, like, you know, you know what's funny about that? It's one of those things where people are like, oh, I right, see Solange. And like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then, because obviously people... If you were to say who people love the most in that that elevator, what number of people have the most love for them? It's Beyonce. Yes. Out of all of them. And so when people saw Beyonce not moving, they were like, wait a second, Jay-Z did that shit. Yeah. Like, the moment you see that Beyonce isn't stopping her sister from beating up her husband, it's like that whole little bit like, as long as she don't break her nails, she's fine. Plus, when Lemonade, the album, came out and addressed a lot of the cheating issues, and then Jay-Z released an album where he kind of was like, yeah, I messed up. They were very vague about it, but it kind of connected all the dots, like something along the lines. <laughs> what, what is what's life like for you that you think of and do cheat on Beyonce? I now I know some people are like, well, what if it's Rihanna? I'm like, that was a rumor too. Touche. If, if you're telling me I'm gonna cheat on Beyonce with Rihanna, I'm like. Whoa! <laughs> uh, I'm oh, like I, my life is so great where I'm choosing to commit adultery because the other girl is Rihanna, and the girl I'm cheating on is Beyonce. Yeah, we're not condoning cheating, by the way, but we're just trying. To I'm get, not condoning cheating. We're trying to get in the head. I'm not condoning cheating. However, if you're telling me that I'm married to Beyonce and it's Rihanna, I'm condoning cheating. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta try it. Why not? You've already got the best thing in the world. Let's try the best thing in the world. Best thing in the world, B. I love the, the pictures afterwards. The still shots were Solange coming out, looking kind of pissed, but like walking tall. Beyonce just kind of smiling, smirking, and Jay Z's literally holding his cheek. He's just like, oh, God damn it. He's like, this happened. They yeah. have cameras there. You know, it's kind of like a, a thing, too, with like, you know. We're talking about this, like, you know, this is a reversal of things. Like, she's beating up on him. I wanted to know how people took that. I think people just automatically assumed that he was in the wrong. Turned out he was, but I mean, yes. like, you know, that's another thing. Like, this is, of, of the elevator fight situation caught on video, this is one of the better ones. There's been some aggressive things that have come out. This is one of those ones where you're like, we, everyone kind of, I feel like everyone kind of just laughed it off. It was like, you know. Well, Jay-Z was right not to fight back. Like, if he had, yeah. like I if mean, he, had, he didn't really put up a fight at he all. He did. He, was, he just took it. He just kind of like, mm, like, it is what it is. Well, she had some diamond rings, I'm sure. And I feel like Salon's going to go down. Salon, also, let me throw it out there right now. Uh, I don't think she's underrated because the people who know, know. Salon's, her, uh, she's great. Yes. Salon's is great. And so I, I know there's a little bit of hate at the time about that. I'm like, no, Salon's just, she's as talented. She, as I know not at the level of where Beyonce is because of how, you know, I don't want to be attacked by some of her Beyonce's fans, but Solange's music is dope. Yeah. I think it's I think it should be listened to. I think she's got a great voice and it's so different than really what Beyonce's doing that it's yeah. like not even the same category. It's like two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Like it's almost like both of them are capable of making the other one's music. Yeah. But they're like, oh, this is my lane, this is what I like to do, this is what I'm playing like, yeah. what I like to do. And Same. we're lucky enough that we live in a world where we get to hear both. Exactly. And get to see Salons beat the shit out of Jay-Z. And they're all able to bounce back from that. Jay-Z's bounced back from a lot. I mean, he's got a whole, like, I'm, he, uh, some stuff, I hope some stuff never really comes out about Jay-Z. <laughs> like it should. Uh, well, that does it for us uh, at Hip Hop Movie News Podcast. Uh, hope you enjoyed episode number nine. 
Uh, make sure to follow us on social media, Hip Hop Movie News on Twitter and Instagram, Hip Hop and Movie News on Facebook. And yeah, that pretty much covers all the things that we got covered right now. Yeah. And I'm sure you know, if you're listening to us, you can follow us on all platforms. And we're on iTunes, very excited about that. Yeah, yeah, we're on the tunes. We're on the tunes. We got everything covered right now. You know, we got some. Uh, we're the we're the. You know, I want to say we're the old school generation hip hop, but I don't even think we're that. I think we're kind of like that mid generation. We're covering everybody, basically. Yeah. We want to cover everybody. You know, if there's something you want to talk about, we're not talking about it. You got to let us know. Yeah, that's kind of how it goes. We'll, otherwise, we'll talk about what we want to talk about. I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm I'll, like, I'll talk about my life at home. Yeah. Be like, oh, here, here's life with wife and the cats. Wife and the cats. If you tell me, if you don't tell me not to say, it, like I'm gonna sound like a nice little TGI Friday sitcom. Yeah, wife and the cats. Yes. Yeah, I'll watch it because uh, I live it. Because you live it. Uh, I am Vince Eustace. I'm Lonnie Finley. And just chill to the next episode. Yes, yes, yes.